Hey, so today is a two-parter. I actually had two different um, things on my mind. And the first one came up this week about what's dentistry doing to the environment. Thanks to many of my local friends that are just getting tired of all the waste of all these gloves and the PPE we have to throw out. But a lot of people forget that one of the worst things that we're throwing out many of these a day are the plasticized wipes that we use for the operatories. So what is dentistry doing to the environment? And then part two of my uh, podcast today is inspired by a book by Jay Shetty, Think Like a Monk. Um, and it's, and myself, it inspired the blog and it's how do you measure success? So I think that education is the most powerful weapon that you can use to change the world. And I've always been a fan after 37 years of being in sales. I hate salesmen. I've always thought that I'm a consultant and an educator. I learn from my customers and then I seek out answers that work for them. So it is what inspired my blog today. And what are we doing to our environment? So we have very few greener alternatives. And I wonder how much time do we actually spend thinking about this problem while we're driving our gas-filled cars and turning on the lights powered by generators that are powered by coal? Are we actually being proactive to reduce and recycle and pay attention to our own personal footprint? Because every small thing makes a difference. In particular, today, I think about the disinfectant wipes and for obvious reasons, as you know, I own an electrolyzed water company and I've been researching it for several years now, how powerful and simple it is, salt plus water. But did you know that disinfectant wipes are actually a microplastic? The ready-to-use containers are obviously not recycled. So when you grab those wipes that are in that big plastic heavy container filled with a bunch of more plastic that you pull out, how many billions are now used every single day? And not just by you in your office, but for everyday people on the WestJet flights we go on, they're giving everybody on board a wipe. We never used to do that. And all the people are taking them home and wiping their doorknobs and counters and surfaces without putting a second thought about what we're throwing into the environment. Isn't there a better and more logical way to accomplish these same results? And maybe there's highly effective products that are scientifically proven and non-toxic, environmentally safe, that take even less time to destroy these bacteria and aren't harmful to our environment or to people. We need a revolution in disinfection and infection control. But many people need an education first. So this isn't going to change if we leave it to everyone else to fix, and especially if we leave it to our governments who seem to think that imposing heavy taxes and fines is the way to teach people to be green. Maybe subsidies for some of these green things are actually not a bad answer. And the answers are out there. We just need to use one less plastic straw. Do you need a lid on that drink that you're about to consume and can you bypass that? That's what I do at Starbucks all the time. I tend to take a lot of mine without a top on them. It's a little thing that you do, but it's one less piece of plastic at a time. So masks and disinfectant wipes are examples. Did you know that masks are have plastic in them? It causes the electrostatic um, uh, filtration that kills the uh, germs and viruses that are trying to get through. So they look like paper and they look like cleaners, but 
what most of us don't know is that these are synthetic fibers that are plastic. And when they start to shred up over time, it creates microplastic fibers. So there's many good documentaries out that you can watch. There's one called Drowning in Plastic. Anyways, look at the mess we're in right now with COVID and coronavirus. In North America, many provinces and states have actually stalled the recycling programs because of the risks of coronavirus. Where is all of this environmental pollution going? How many of us talk about saving the environment, yet the only thing we do is bring a green grocery bag when we remember to bring it to the store and it's convenient? What commitment do we really have to making changes? Taking the time to reduce our footprint takes a little effort, a little thinking, a little education, and a proactive investment. You need to buy that green bag and remember to bring it with you. It's not that hard, but you save the grocery store from another piece of plastic. How about gloves, our particular industry? How long does it take for a nitrile glove to break down? Regular nitrile gloves take decades, up to hundreds of years to biodegrade and and break down in landfill. Did you know that? Whereas the biodegradation rate of gloves um, featuring EBT... Um, is far more rapid, typically within 24 months. But we're not seeing that EBT, uh, it's a long chemical name, and I'm not going to repeat it, but look up EBT nitrile, and you'll start to see where they're using this for commercial applications. Typically breaks down within 24 months, depending on the landfill conditions. So would you support a glove company that makes nitrile gloves? Perhaps they charge a little more, but they recycle the gloves and other PPE. A company like Kimberly Clark Professional Division called Right Cycle. The Kimberly Clark Professional Right Cycle program looks amazing because it recycles not only the gloves, but other PPE like the gowns. And it's not cheap. If we start supporting these types of products and companies, more infrastructure will be built and we will more be able to afford this type of recycle reuse. So latex gloves, if you're using them, take approximately five years to decompose, but they do go back to nature. The program from Kimberly Clark, which we haven't announced in Canada, unfortunately, is called Right Cycle. Please take a look uh, and see what it's all about. So how about chemicals and toxic exposures like the chemicals in wipes, for example? Wet, there's a really good scientific you can look up called wet wipes and sanitary products found to be microplastic pollutants in Irish waters. Do you really need a plasticized wipe on every surface? I know, I know, I talk too much about it, electrolyzed water, but have you taken the time to educate yourself about electrolyzed water? Google it. Google hypochlorous acid. Same thing, just another name. There are over 400 scientifics written, many of them in the last two years, on the power of electrolyzed water or hypochlorous acid. And the results are conclusive. Very few point to any downside. Hypochlorous is cheap, easy to make on demand, and it works well. It is really simple, natural products. It is salt, NaCl, or sodium chloride, plus water, electrolyzed. Sometimes you buffer it 
with a vinegar to adjust the pH. You need a little bit of acidity. Slightly acidic water is really good hypochlorous acid. And the mode, the oxidation that happens uh, makes it react uh, against the uh, slimy bacteria virus walls almost instantly um, preventing them from reproducing. So it's extremely fast and effective. And yet you can get it on your skin, in your eyes, in your mouth and have no ill effect for human beings because our bodies do make this naturally. It's not damaging to most surfaces and it's being proven effective as a fog or sprayer because you can mist it, get it everywhere. And because of the mode of action, the way that it blasts the cells to interrupt the reproduction cycle, it doesn't have to be necessarily wiped off. Of course, physical removal of debris and cleaning is always a great protocol. But sometimes you can't get to every surface. And sometimes you're just spreading things on the surfaces. Hypochlorous acid as a disinfectant spray can be inhaled and is non-toxic to human beings. It's cheap, it's natural, and it's effective. Is it Health Canada approved or EPA approved? Yes, it is, as a matter of fact. And it's recognized in dozens of countries and has been used at high levels of infection control. In some countries, they call it sterilization, as a matter of fact. Here, we would have a different view of it. Perhaps it's wording. But it's not just for the disinfection of health clinics. It's got a broad range of uses, including use in the human body on skin care and wounds and rashes and and different skin ailments. It's been used on babies. It's been used on pets and animals. It's a food safe product that's got health approvals um, for use to get rid of pesticides from food that we eat. It's used in the water industry safely used to disinfect water towers and water that we drink. It's used in commercial sanitation. So a recent September 17th of 2020 example of a Health Canada approval for use of hypochlorous acid on the human body and in the skin in disinfection is a company called Sonoma Pharma. They make a product called Nanosyn. I'm just citing one of the most recent Health Canada approvals for uses of electrolyzed water. And that Nanosyn contains two products on its label, neutral oxidized saline and available chlorine at 0.0125%, as in 125 parts per million available chlorine in a neutral oxidized saline solution, in other words, neutral pH. The safety data sheet for this company is worth looking up. The recognized downside of hypochlorous uh, and electrolyzed water used to be that the machines to manufacture the large commercial designs were large commercial designs and the product needed to be used on demand as it was unstable. So it was a good application in farming. You would have big volume of apples and fruit going through to get cleaned and, and pesticides removed. You could make the hypochlorous acid at a very low level where it would do the job on demand and then go right back to becoming a natural product without harming the environment. Overcoming these challenges meant producing what you needed on demand and it's been used in overseas markets for several years. They're using this in the water towers and a lot of industries where it could be used on demand and go right back to nature without harming the environment. <clears throat> the research is good and the street credibility is good. The difference is it's now available in a consumer item. 
<coughs> so, I had to have a sip of my water. Health Canada's view on hypochlorous acid, there's approval after approval coming down. And if you need more evidence, particularly on dentistry, please do a search for a Google search for dentistry, hypochlorous acid, a review, Journal of Maxillofacial Surgery, J-O-M-S, by Dr. Michael Block. He did a fantastic, easy-to-read article that cites the many dozens of studies, particularly related to dentistry, and how and why we use this non-toxic product at such a high disinfection rate, and how it can be applied in dentistry. As you know, I'm a co-owner of a company called Egret. It's a miniaturized version of the commercial machines with patents uh, on design and function. Instead of relying on the large amounts of electricity and electrolysis through the expensive filters that the um, big commercial machines rely on, we've miniaturized the process. So we can create in three minutes hypochlorous acid with a neutral pH and a free available chlorine content approximately 60 to 80 parts per million every three minute cycle raises the free available um, chlorine content and after three cycles you're at a fac of about 200 parts per million with a ph of 7 to 7.5 which means you have approximately 70 to 80 percent of hypochlorous acid and maybe 20 percent of a chlorine cl and if you want to be just blasting those germs at a high oxidation rate, you can add a very small amount of vinegar to get it into the six range, five to six range. Anyways, I digress. Let's look at some other green items that dental offices could consider. And if you're in Canada, you need the only way to make this happen is to start demanding, look for the product, find the distributors that have these products. So there's a company that makes um, HVE saliva ejectors and Hygovac. Uh, the company is called, I have to look it up, in Canada. Oh, I have the wrong link on here. Anyways, it is, uh, I'm going to Google it, Hygovac. It's like you're watching me uh, speak live, but orsing.se, Swedish company. O-R-S-I-N-G makes a few really good uh, biodegradable saliva and HVEs and as well as a bamboo cup. So no more plastic cups. We also have from Pixter company bamboo toothbrushes and interproximal brushes. So instead of the plastic. And I'm also thinking, can we do more autoclaving instead of disposing? Single-use products are dominant in medical, and maybe this is just something we need to think about. We're asked to use disposable syringe tips, the air water syringe tips. Imagine how many of those billions of those are going into the, in the environment now. And yet, there is a company making one that is environmentally friendly, and I forgot to look it up for this blog, but there is one um, you can get that is environmentally friendly made out of a paper product. So single risk reduces or single use reduces risk, but do the benefits outweigh the consequences? Are there not ways we could efficiently reuse or at least like in the case of Kimberly Clark, recycle these products? 
That's it for that talk. My second part of my blog today is about a book I read inspired by Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Write that down. It's an amazing book. Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty. Read it or get it on Audible like I did. So one of the chapters uh, inspired this blog, and it, it this is my own words now. I believe that deep happiness comes from continuous personal improvement with a daily sense of accomplishment. As human beings, I think we get hung up on money and material wealth and how others perceive our success. It starts from the time we are born. Mom and dad tell us we did good and pat us on the back and we get that smile. We get a candy and we feel accomplished and we want to do more. This is how we learn. Teachers grade us from the time we start going to school and they start comparing us. Jimmy got an A and Mary got a B. Sports teach us to win, and often not particularly how to lose. Winners get the recognition, despite how hard of an effort the second place or even the tenth place winner exerted. How much recognition did these kids get when they were growing up for trying their hardest? We're not all talented with math. I may have got 100%, and Jimmy was a 70%. And yet he tried way harder than I did. Where's the effort? Where's the recognition for the persistence and perseverance? First place in sales tends to get the spiff. If you want to win the the reward for top salesman, you get an extra little 10% bonus for what you sold. But you have to go out there and be first. What if your talent, what if you don't believe in it? What if your talent doesn't lie and being that type of a salesman. You don't do it because of that. How come teachers point out the A-plus students? Why do we have to work on other people's agendas? Everybody, including myself, they lose their minds for their favorite athletes that win the big game, and they get paid the huge money for that accomplishment. But let me ask you, are those winners always the happiest people on earth? How come so many of them have to rely on other substances and other addictions in order to try to find happiness? Why are many of these people only happy for that moment of that win and then unhappy after that? Recognition mostly goes to the person who won the first prize. I get it. But can we work to instill values of hard work, perseverance, and personal accomplishment instead? Recognizing that we are all different with different talents We're unique and we should be ingraining that the real winner is the person who adopts the values of always doing their best for their own personal goals, for their very selves, instilling that if you're always doing this, you are in fact always winning. The person who won often has a team behind them as well of coaches and supporting family, incredibly talented friends. Do they feel blessed when they, do they recognize those people and understand that the people they're surrounded by are a blessing? That the challenges are actually the reason that they're accomplishing? The accomplishments are not about comparing to others. Rather, it's the sense of accomplishment you feel at that very moment that you just took it to another level. The personal sense, the living in the now Feeling accomplished because of the opportunity you had and counting the blessings. In particular to dentistry, Howard Ferran asked me in our interview, 
How successful are the dentists in Saskatchewan that I work with? I thought about it for a moment and said, depends on how you rank success. So it's my belief that human beings are happiest at the end of the day from personal accomplishments and helping other people. The pinnacle of recognition is reached from within ourselves. Praising yourself for the hard work, yet keeping your ego in check, understanding that you have more to do. Getting the project started and finished, and then looking for another one. It's a workout that's been completed despite the hard work and knowing you have to go do it again. You wrote the book. You finished your blog. You maybe finished learning how to place that implant. Now you have to go do the work. You learned a complicated surgery. The happiest moments come from helping others and in some way improving ourselves so that we can help other people. It's not that toy or the money that happens to come along with it, perhaps, which gives us some security and tells us we're on the right path. So in this case, Dr. Howard Ferran, the majority of the dentists that I work with are successful because they're performing the procedures that they love every day. They're lauded by their patients. They work with a team that they appreciate and realize that they couldn't live without. And it goes both ways. They're not driven because of higher gross incomes and low overhead or that they kept their sundry bill down to 5%. They don't worry about keeping up with the dentist across the street or beating anyone. The success for my dentist come from the contentment of the case that they just completed, the smile on that patient's face, that they help someone with their very skilled hands from something that they learned. They did it how they wanted to do it, and they do it well. That is a measure of success. Happiness comes from being grateful from what we already have. Sincere appreciation for life itself. It's an appreciation for the love that you have given and feeling blessed for that, that tribe that surrounds us. It comes from the trust and faith of other human beings. It's a sincere love of others and life. Getting back what you give. Appreciating the happiness is more in life about the giving than the getting. I thank God every night and every morning for my wife and my family. And you know what? For you. Maybe not you particularly the listener, but I do know that I have people I personally know who listen to this. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the new people I meet every day, for the challenges that some of them present to me. I also thank him for the challenges that life presents and the opportunity to use these challenges as a learning lesson so that I can become a better person and hopefully learn from that to help others as well. Unhappiness comes from what we don't have. It's the endless craving for something that's missing. Unhappy because we didn't win first place. We haven't been recognized for the effort and we worry about it, but yet it's never enough effort. Why do we feel so unhappy about that to the point that we feel defeated and we give up? Why try anymore? Why are we unhappy if we don't have that thing and particularly that thing we didn't even know about a week ago? Why are we unhappy if we lose that love? Because there is more love out there to be had. We didn't go on that trip to somewhere, but we have our home. Our lives aren't as good as someone else we just saw on social media. It makes us unhappy 
Do we feel like if only I had that, I would be happy? We don't have that thing. We just Googled that toy and now it's all over our Facebook, Instagram reminding us that something's missing from your life and you need to get it. Unhappy is worrying about every criticism that you face from others, never taking a chance. Forgetting that failure is learning and makes you stronger. It's necessary. It's a blow to the way, it's a blow to your ego and it's the way that life's supposed to be because nobody's perfect. Unhappy is a bad review with a fragile defensive ego instead of, you're right, I could have done better. Unhappy people go to bed and hope their higher power is going to help solve their problems. Some kind of a fluky win the lottery of life sort of thing. Somebody else needs to give them a raise, pat them on the back. They need that recognition. They get defeated because of public scrutiny instead of feeling blessed for the challenge. Continual improvement is happiness. It's recognizing that you're ahead of where you were. Right now, at this moment, you bet you were better than you were a moment ago, and you have the chance to take this next moment to be thankful and count your blessings. This moment is a blessing. You can hear this podcast. You can make a decision about what's next. You can take another breath. With the right attitude, you will attract those right people in your life. And the ones that make you unhappy or challenge you are there as a blessing as well. Realizing that the risks you take are your own and for your own sense of accomplishment. It does not matter what anybody else thinks. Just keep improving and trying to help others with your new skills and you're going to attract the right type of happiness. I hope you have a great week ahead.